Hey guys, this is episode three of King of Cups. Sponging out is a merry time. This is a very treasure almost. I had came up with this idea way before I even started King of Cups. And um, Alan Marcus, who we have here tonight, helped resurfaced it on Weaving Spiders episode 99, um, which was a very nautical, fun surprise. Um, and here we are, we are going to expand upon it, go deeper into it. So we have just watched um, Alan Marcus, Andy Crone, and I have all just got done watching the sequel to the first Spongebob movie, Spongebob the movie Sponge Out of Water. Um, so before we get into it, let's have our two guests introduce themselves. Alan, did you want to go first? Yes, I am Alien Marcus. I'm a real web page, alanmarcus.com. Nice and I, I stand with I stand with dolphins. <laughs> Andy, did you want to introduce yourself? I don't think we're hearing audio. Yeah, I don't think we're hearing audio on you. Oops, there we go. I'm Andy. <laughs> I'm also known as Con- Cozy Crone or um Andrea in the Telegram. If you're on Telegram and follow Chris or Alan stuff or spiders, I'm usually on spiders. So. Yes. So, um, before or to start us off more like like it, um, I thought I could. Um, read my initial um, post about this movie that Alan read on Reading Spiders 99 really quick. I thought that could be a good starting off point. Um, And so I wrote, this was July of 2021. I wrote, so while I would at a family event tonight, they had SpongeBob playing on the TV as we all talked for the kiddos and younglings, even though they was too busy playing. My gaze kept turning back to the TV. I haven't watched SpongeBob in years. I've only seen the characters through memes, but I noticed strange maritime law messaging going on. So I let So let me describe what I saw in the bit I caught. To start off with the subtitle of the movie, Sponge Out of Water, Sponging Out the Holy Sea, or Current Sea, that sea as an S-E-A, you have Mr. Krabs, a cancer water sign that's emotional, 
He's obsessed with currency money. It rolls his emotions. To obtain a steady flow of currency, he creates a formula, or as he pronounced it, a formula. Sounds like familiar, which he used to sell curly patties, possibly a necro spell, maybe, which he has a monopoly on, which every character loves. Then when Plankton, a green mono-eye, dupes crabs, giving him a coin, which is his last sense, since he used all his money trying to steal the formula in the past to try to get more money. He hides inside. He tries to steal the formula so he can monopolize it. He fails and loses it when crab when Mr. Krabs can't sell any more Krabby Patties, the town turns into a mob, or like lunatics, moonblood sucking arachnids, which the residents of Bikini Bottom are always dim-witted, maybe because they're under the law of the sea, that he promises Krabs, then promises a slight discount if they help him get it back from Plankton, who he thinks has it. So the whole town becomes the typical mainstream Hollywood perverted version of anarchy, or dirty bottom, as Spongebob calls it. But there's no crappy patties, so no currency flowing. No current flowing. When Spongebob believes Plankton, they try to form a team. Or as Plankton the green mono-eye says it, a TM, and he repeatedly asks what's a TM, a trademark. There's no I in team. To find the formula or formula to do, mag to do a, the magic money spell, I looked away for a bit, and the next time I looked back over SpongeBob and Plankton met a cosmic being that looks like a dolphin that watches over the cosmos and tells SpongeBob and Plankton to watch over Jupiter and Saturn. Then while he he's gone, they're, they're watching the two planets, Jupiter and Saturn, collide and destroy each other. The whole thing is occulted. Crazy. It's just mindless, animated, quote, Kiddy stuff. Don't overthink it. So that was um, around that time I was just diving into some maritime law and some linguistics and things like that. So that was all in my frontal consciousness as I'm watching this movie. So I they all kind of started connecting the dots for me. And so now we're here and we've fully watched it together as our, as triad of a unit. So, <laughs> and wow, it was it, was it a SpongeBob movie? <laughs> so, um, um, Andy, did he want to say your, um, first initial thoughts, maybe, maybe start 
I don't know if you want to start from the beginning or what stuck out to you. Oh, sure. Um, so my first thought when you presented that you wanted to get together and do this was that whole, old, I think it was like, maybe it was even a cre- creepy pasta that was out like years ago about how the seven sins was encoded into SpongeBob and then how you could kind of put those two together. Um, so I think basically uh, what it broke down to is SpongeBob is lust because he loves everybody. Uh, Patrick is obviously sloth. Um, Plankton is envy. Mr. Krabs is obviously greed. Um, Sandy would be pride. And you can see that a lot with like, she's from Texas and they're always like, that's kind of a big Texas, uh, what's the word? Pride. Yeah, well, it's like a... Proud to be from Texas. <laughs> State pride. Um, I can't think of the word, but you know what I mean. Like, it's a, a stereotype. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah, so uh, Squidward would be wrath, I thought. And I think that is reflected a lot more in this movie because he ends up being a dinosaur that comes back, right? And that would be like your lizard brain would be more the the wrath brain. And then Gary is glutton because he's always hungry. So, um, or a glutton yeah. for punishment. <laughs> Either way. <laughs> yeah, that was my. And then when it first opened up, is like right away you see Knights Templar stuff, and I've seen a lot of um, nods to the Book of Revelation as well. So it was like, mm. oh, that's interesting. I wasn't expecting that. Yep. So. Take a page right out of the Book of Revelation. Yeah. yeah. Just one page. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, Alan, did you want to give your first thoughts? My initial impressions after ending the movie? <laughs> Wherever you want to start, whatever the first thing that comes to your mind, I guess. I had not seen this film before, and it was teased a bit to say that there's some potential esoteric secrets in this children's story. So I was already primed to look for certain things uh, deep below the surface, reaching into our subconscious and pulling out the, the symbols the sigils, the references to literature, and then the movie ended. I had some notes in my mind, and then I was a little bit angered, maybe a little bit perturbed. Uh, So if this is a children's story, and we often associate children's stories with fables and morals and lessons and bedtime stories and and things that we want to teach the children so if this spongebob movie is presented to children and families as a fable or as a moral lesson then that makes me angry because the lesson at the end of the movie is a very terrible lesson This is not healthy thinking. This is not correct thinking. 
this is not in alignment with natural law. This whole movie twists concepts and presents tropes and stereotypes that are damaging to infantile minds and keeps the mind in bondage. We see the symbol of bondage when the owner, Mr. Krusty Krabs, is wearing the bondage outfit. He is in bondage, and when he's in bondage, he keeps his subservient employees also in bondage. The lesson of this film, when it ends, is that you can go through a revolution, you can go through a whole turning, you can go through a great reset, but at the end of it, once you get through it and you return to a new normal, everyone's going to go back to work, their socioeconomic classes are going to remain the same, or worse, at the bottom of this pyramid, we see a lot of triangle symbolism, pyramid symbolism, eye of providence, all of these references. And let it be known that the whole plot line revolves around secrets, keeping secrets, keeping a trademark secret, and protecting that secret. You have the people of Bikini Bottom, the citizens, the sheep, the goyim, the normies, the, the subservient employees, the fast food workers, the factory workers, the delivery men, the UPS guy. All of these people are the foundation of the civilization to keep it going. They have such an affinity for the system. They love this system. They love their slavery so much so that they will work on behalf of the oligarchy, of the ruling class, to return to a status quo. You take away something that they thrive on. Sustenance, meat, food. This is a basic need. You take that away, and in warfare, that's called a holodomor. That's warfare. You starve the people. And when they are starving, they will do anything for food, which gets into the ideas of Lord of the Flies and cannibalism and what will you do to survive and will you turn your back on your neighbor, your own family. You know, it's like you'll do anything to survive. And there's the secret formula, this TM, this trademark, TM, team. We'll get into that in a little bit more, what that means. But this movie left me just angry at the infantile message for infantile minds to say, you'll go through this psychodrama, you'll form a team, you'll survive through the end, and then we'll return to exactly where we were. That's where the revolution turns 360 degrees and you're exactly where you were before, but maybe you're poorer, maybe you're further enslaved. The cycle continues and it's a vicious cycle. So if you have a pirate telling a story, he could be a Knights Templar, he could have gold, he could steal the booty. All of these jokes are so dry and stale at this point, being the third film in the series, that it's just a piece of propaganda. Did you guys laugh at all? Was there any really, really clever jokes like the original SpongeBob episodes in the first film with David Hasselhoff and all the fun and joy that you had? 
Not not genuinely. Some of us was so absurd. It might have got a chuckle out of me for how absurd it was, but there was no genuine laughter. So that means there was no comedy, no entertainment, just nothing. And it was was genuine. War is hell, and this is hell in Bikini Bottom. This is their revealing of an apocalyptic doomsday scenario. We'll get into that further. I'm just left wondering, what is the point of this? Viacom, you vile scum, hiring the lowest cost animators outside of America, outside of the Western world, paying them the least amount of money to get the maximum quality visuals on the screen to then push propaganda? yeah yeah it yeah overall for for me um you know i i i see it as a a spell within itself a um a way to get people whether it's stoners or even kids who are watching this movie, watching SpongeBob in general, um, to plant the seeds of this Admiralty Maritime Law-esque, oh, you gotta have faith in the system Mm -hmm. at a deeper subconscious level. And it's the disguise, the icing on the cake, or, or, or these overused very dry fart jokes and disgusting imagery and so Mm -hmm. forth yeah we see that i think more and more and i something that made me really uncomfortable is like when it goes from 2d to 3d um i think there's something more to that like the just overall what's going on in the animation industry um moving stuff into the 3d and then you got the time travel going on there as well um which was also interesting to kind of tie into interdimensional um kind of manipulation i guess is what i'm trying to say um i just think that there's like they're trying to manifest something else by making things 3D vid- visually. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, for me, what I always come back to when, when I, I see the push towards 3D, you know, a lot of times these big corporations um, with maritime law it's all about corporations it's about business you know um jordan maxwell has talked about how america is america the corporation now it has Mm -hmm. been since the 1800s um um but these corporations these animated corporations come and say hey kids today they don't want that 2d stuff that you know, you, the parents 
of today grew up on, they want 3D animation. It's like, where are you getting those statistics? If you just mm. keep on feeding them basic 3D animated crap, then that's all they're going to know. If to truly know, then you would have to give them the same equivalent options of 2D animated stuff today as you are 3D animated stuff. Right. And then do which one is they're going to more. That's the thread we can tug at further, this idea of two dimensions. In two dimensions, you draw a triangle, three points, three lines. When it becomes three-dimensional, then it becomes a pyramid. Are you wearing a pyramid on your shirt? Is that the Paramount logo on your shirt, Chris? Um, It is not. um, I, 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 I just... It's just a random mountain in a campsite, but right. I but there's not there's not a random mountain in the movie, right? In the movie, yeah. the climax it's that Freytag's triangle. You have the beginning, the middle, the end. You have this rising climax. You have this resolution. You have this denouement. If we're critiquing the script in terms of, well, did it follow the hero's journey? Did it follow the formula? The formula was this a formulaic story? Did we know? how it was going to end before it began i think so there were no real surprises in this movie it was exactly how we expected it to play out which is to say with this 3d idea we see these symbols we see the dolphin he's wearing the illuminati one eye symbolism, the eye of providence. All of these are references to greater concepts, these symbolic links to things that don't exist in the mind of the child are now placed in the mind of the child. These reference points, it becomes this invocation of a greater idea. And yet if I ask a child, okay, so you've read Illuminatus trilogy by Robert Anton Wilson, right? And, and Robert Shea, right? So you, so you know what the significance of that cover art is on his book, Illuminatus trilogy, which features, you know, the eye and the triangle and the dolphin imagery. All of these things are countercultural images that parents might have references to, but the child watching no, it's just reinforcing the tropes and the stereotypes of life is bondage, it's working class wage slavery, and you're not a god. There are other gods above you. There are other rulers. There are elites. The Jordan Maxwell connection, great wisdom and knowledge. He writes a book called um, The Priesthood of the Illies which gets us to Capitol Hill, where the laws are in government, Capitol Hill, the mountain. So what is that reference to the mountain in this movie? And you, you talk about wanting to, you know, to be God, and yet towards the end of the movie, to skip ahead a little bit to make this connection, uh, when they're in the 3D realm and they're, you know, they completed their, their, their quest, they've got the formula back and then they're going to write in the page so they can go back to Bikini Bottom. 
the only one that doesn't want to go is Squidward. And he getting you know, he he's strong, he's got abs, he's bigger in the in in our realm. And he looks like Adonis. Yeah, he's striking the poses with his muscles and everything. And he goes, No, I don't want to go back here. I can be a god. And then right. SpongeBob goes, Sorry, um, sorry, Squidward, and writes in the page and sends them all back to the status quo. Um, which is which is interesting. And on the topic of um Squidward, um I had looked into um Squidward um and like the squid symbolism in um some adjacent stuff for maritime law and squid of course um is slang for pound and money and called ink it helps you print money oh, with those yeah um and then word as in w a r d um means to keep guard or protect um but in primal astrology um the um squid it's a very um, powerful um personality archetype that can um um symbolize one to be checked and balanced like the lord Um, of the state yeah um and it goes on to describe the personality of as the very dry humor as Squidward is, but I like to focus a minute on the checks and balance thing because who checks and balances? That is, um, that um, that's a job for a judge, mm. um, right? And yeah. another word for judge is executioner. And in this film when they are about to sacrifice Spongebob to the murdered god, the gods of the Krabby Patty, who is Spongebob's executioner? It's Squidward. Mm. But he's acting as judge. He's stepping into that archetype there. So oh, we have we have like, the biblical judges too. Yeah, or yeah. Uh, the temperance card. That would be the balance there. And then if you go back to checks and balances, well, that's why allegedly there's supposed to be checks and balances in the governmental system with the three branches, which goes back to the triangle mm-hmm. pyramid scheme of America or the world, I guess now. Most all the world is Americanized. Do you have more to say about like, checks and Knights Templars? Oh, I did have, oh, so, and then going back to the, the trademark thing, I was, when I was listening to Chris, I was like, if you take out the T and the M, it makes it Raid Ark. And then that's Raiders of the Lost Ark, right? And that whole movie was all about looking for the Holy Grail, which Mm. tied all into Knights Templar again. Uh, and then you the holy grail being the one Krabby Patty recipe above all recipes yeah I I also think it's interesting that they had it to be a pirate because some people who are look at maritime law 
um, and people like Maxwell, um, instead of saying Illuminati or, you know, the dark occult magicians mm-hmm. or whatever you want to call them, they refer to them as pirates. So um, I thought it was very fitting for that character to be a pirate in the movie, the, the Templar. Yeah. Mm, there's a joke in the start of the movie in which the pirate changes he's steering the ship and he switches over to auto pirate which is a pun on autopilot and yet in maritime law in the books the laws about who's responsible for the ship is there a leader of the ship is there a god a ship a captain who is responsible for liability the ship itself is the ship itself now personified as an entity and it has to take responsibility for itself there's all these laws of what is international waters i think you have to be like 24 miles i don't know what that is in kilometers outside of the the beaches of the land masses to be in in a different law and depending on the banner that you fly on your ship that would determine the jurisdiction so again we're talking responsibility and piloting your own ship your own vessel this gets into all of the language that we're familiar with through jordan maxwell and and others who have researched the the maritime law equivalent to other ideas with straw man concepts and legal wordplay and then again what is tm it could stand for trademark it can stand for time machine it can also stand for transcendental meditation so if they're going through this time machine to do the transcendental meditation because those transition scenes are very much psychedelic in a very soft, relaxed sort of way. So you have this idea of going under a spell, reprogramming yourself, bringing your mind to an idea of what will a future outcome look like, and then it becomes a desert, arid, wasteland world. Or if you go back in time to a prehistoric time and you bring back a dinosaur, a relic of the past, again, Squidward maybe being a warden of ideals. He's a musician. He likes the classical arts. He wants to protect the classical arts. Everybody calls him a dinosaur and, you know, get with the times old man, get with the modern art movement and scene, which is a total farce compared to his Idonis ideal, the V-line on his abs, perfect figure and perfect health. And yet, if you're eating at fast food restaurants, this is a food fight and you're a casualty of war because you eat at McDonald's, Arby's, fast food, Taco Bell, Pizza Hut all day long, chances are you're not going to have abs you're not going to have a fit form and body and when we go to the beach in the 3d realm we see in the most tasteful way female bikini bottoms and slender ideal figures so there is an ideal 
form. There is beauty in art. And SpongeBob references it, acknowledges it, but then they go for this modern 3D and CGI, computer-generated imagery, graphics, as opposed to a very classical hand-drawn animation. You recall Disney with Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs and Fantasia and the beauty of hand-painted cells. And yet, that, that just costs too much. We're going to cut costs, maximize profits, and give you modern art. Yeah. Amy, do you have anything to say? Totally. With that. Yeah. Um, so going back to the whole time machine thing. So I was noticing the time machine ran on hot dogs. And I was like, well, what's that all about? So then I kind of thought about it for a minute. And um, I was like, oh, well, if we're going maritime law, they're Franks. So it's the Swiss time machine or a Swiss watch. And then it also ran off of kelp soda, which is iodine um, or seaweed. So now they're starting to have a market on marijuana in America. It's becoming more and more legalized in more places. So if you put weed into the sea to fund your time machine in Switzerland, then that's kind of a... A wink and a nod to that. And yeah. it's like, so you're saying we weren't <laughs> high enough to enjoy this Pineapple Express experience? Is this just a stoner movie? Yeah, it, that's interesting that you say that, Andy, because he, where I'm at, um, they um, just um, last week um, passed to legalize marijuana and it's been it was all over the news it's going to take about a year for it to um you know the the law to get into effect um but um people at my nine to five job um was you know they're, they're a bit older than than i am and everything and um, they they like reading up on all all the news stories and all this stuff that's going on in our local government and stuff more so than than I do, um, and I couldn't really care much less either way, um, and but one of them was going on about the the um, law to make it legal recreationally. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. has all these other um, caveats, little laws attached to it. So if this got passed, and all this other stuff is going to go through. And she didn't want all the other stuff. Who um, can grant a right and who can take a right away? I was thinking Again, of the word natural pirate. Law. The word pirate is pyrite. Oh. That's fool's gold, man. Pirate is fool's gold. I like that. Hmm. Yeah. Um, 
Also, on, on the topic of Squidward, I love it to kind of dovetail Squidward's Squidosaurus Rex, you mean? Squidosaurus Rex. Um, with, since he is, you know, the, um, the, the warden of, of money, um, in a sense, you know, he's even the cash register. He's the, the first pe- person that you go to when you go to the Krusty Krab. So there was that, um, that, that is, there it is again. And you can see that, um, you know, he kind of despises um, SpongeBob because of his whole imagination. Like, you know, the whole imagination meme with SpongeBob, he, he, he doesn't like his, his laughter and his, his playfulness and everything that SpongeBob is and stands for his usefulness and then you have squidward who um is you know very dry very he doesn't have any hope or mm. anything he just he just does what he needs to do to, to live by and he's kind of miserable all the time and all this and spongebob couldn't care less about money when squidward just lived just for a paycheck basically and so to me, it's almost like they're the same character, just at different times of their lives, right? So it's like money will turn the, the youthful, imaginative child into this very Squidward-like character once they you know, grow up and buy into maritime law. And, you know, or sign up become a it. sellout. Yeah. Yeah. And then that's interesting with Squidward because he's the cashier, I like that you brought that up. And then if you're saying he represents wrath, uh, which would be more of a, like a Mars energy, that's um, <laughs> the cash register in the Krusty Krab is a boat. So he's the driving force is Mars or your Mars energy, your action to get your transactional marriage in place, which is be another TM. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of a of, of bondage. Um, I'll cover my ears know, we, for this one. <laughs> speaking of, of, of bondage, that's another thing um, that uh, piqued my interest while I was watching it with you guys was as their... Um, um, SpongeBob is trying to sing to Plankton to have them form their team, their TM. Um, it it made me, and since we was taking this at a mar- maritime law direction, I was thinking of of the marriage and you know how that is. Um, they, it's a contract. And, That's a business agreement. Yeah, it, it, it's it's a contract um, to make. Two products, because when you have a birth certificate, as Maxwell has said, you know that it, you become a product once you have your your birth certificate. And marriage is combining those two products into one corporation to summarize it. And one of the words he focuses on is um, um, partnership. And um, so when SpongeBob was singing to try to get them to form the team. He, he said the word partnership and partners multiple times throughout his, his singing. 
And so yeah. it got me to think about think about this the whole the marriage side of, of things. He wanted right. he wanted to have that contract with with Plankton to, to I have a question. Know. Yes. How, how do sponges uh, sexually procreate? I I don't know. SpongeBob has parents in the show, so aren't isn't an asexual reproduction? I think so. So if SpongeBob exists in his mind, we go into his mind, and it's all playful. It's all rainbows. It's not necessarily a gay or a gray sexual area. It's like he is a child. He is prepubescent he's not thinking about adult themes he goes to the beach he sees bikini bottoms on female forms and male bodies and he's not ogling he, it doesn't matter to him it's not catching his attention he's this child and is he our hero is he our fool in this story oh yeah he's definitely the fool yeah um uh I like you brought up his brain. I kept thinking um, confections every time. And then I thought confections, convection. So it's like cooking up things, cooking up this imagination land, really. And um, how... Yeah, he doesn't have any other interests than just to go to work and but he's just there because he likes it when he doesn't really know why he likes working. <laughs> yes, and perhaps if this is the Curlian age of the crown and conquering child and SpongeBob is the asexual prepubescent child forever into adulthood, he goes and works at the Krabby Patty and for him it's He's playing. He's playing in the kitchen. If there are alchemical recipes and deep esoteric secrets and you have to be 40 years old to study the Kabbalah and understand all of the meanings of all the significances of all the references, they're not in his mind. They're not in his brain. He's not thinking about those things. If he were to have that secret recipe in his mind, if he were to memorize it, he wouldn't know what it means he follows the directions he does as he's told so i mentioned kabbalah we mentioned vile viacom and there are terrible terrible things being said about a, a certain uh, business type person in the entertainment industry and the handlers and Viewed through that lens, I was already predisposed to seeing certain imagery in the film. And this is where it gets controversial and spicy. And we really can't talk about this. Did you see what was on the marquee on the theater? Once they entered the 3D realm, they go down breezy, easy breezy street. He He's in, he's in a ship. The, sh the pirate ship has wheels on it, so it goes from the sea to the land. The laws change. The rules change. Sure. He goes down Breezy Street, and there's a theater, and they're having a film festival because we're breaking the third wall. We're seeing the movie within the movie, the story within the story. 
And for a moment, I did see on the marquee the words referencing a shoal, which is it's a shallow water, S-H-O-A-L, a large number of fish swimming as a group. This is a teamwork again reference. Piranhas often feed in shoals. This is in this language. There's a pun here. There's a joke. And yet, what I initially saw and wrote a note down was when part of the word was obscured. Do you know what that word would be? If we take the L off the end of shoal, we have show, showah. What is a Shoah? It's a story, perhaps, that's told over and over again. The definition of Shoah in Hebrew is catastrophe. So they're bringing in catastrophism into the story. And I have to know that that was intentional to reference the idea of Shoah, to bring about the idea of Holocaust and Holodomor and starvation of a people. And it's this sort of a worldview violence that perpetuates. There's other ideas that could be explored from that angle because that gets us to well, the Holocaust and World War II, and why did we fight this war? Well, because Hitler and Nazism. And the film goes on to reference World War II. They all are enlisted into this war, and they wear the costumes, which is interesting because there's a reference towards the end of the film. It's a throwaway remark. When they take the costume off and the other guy is like, what, you mean we can just take these costumes off at any time? Meaning we can change these roles that we're playing at any time? And they go on from that thought. It, but it took Mr. Crafts to rip his off first. That's what made them realize that they could take he off. He removes his bondage gear. Yep. And another line from the war scene that caught my attention it was kind of a throwaway line as well, is when they're trying to defend um, against Plankton coming in to steal the formula at the beginning. And SpongeBob is in the bearing shooting and um, Patrick is right beside him. And right when um, Plankton uses starts to use his mecha um, and Patrick sees it, Patrick goes, oh, I just remembered, I actually don't work for Mr. Krabs and leaves his hat, his war hat and everything with SpongeBob and just runs away. And that, that's... Yeah, that's like a soldier going AWOL, away while on leave. And then you have the ideas of Navy men. They submerge... They come up from the uh, the depths of the ocean in their submarine. They go into a dock, and then they go and they have shore leave. There's all sorts of references to naval intelligence, perhaps, and the key in Patrick's belly button. Is that a that's a big spoiler? He has the key to the mysteries around his neck, 
and it slides down his chest. And then the key goes into his navel, his belly button, where all the lint is. What secrets does that unlock? If you get through in a marriage, right? How do you get to the heart of a man, right? You make him a hearty meal, you feed him, and he'll love you forever. He'll love his wife forever. What are the gender roles in this story? Yeah, but that is interesting as well because the only really core female character you have, at at least in this movie, is Sandy. And um, she's not in it as much as you would think. It's very uh, male-dominated film in its core cast. Andy, did you have anything else? Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, oh, going back to the, the signs, when they get into the 3D world, there's one sign that says uh, high tide travel, and it's right when they're kind of fighting the pirate in the background. Um, and I thought, you know, okay, hi, you know, put marijuana into the sea, right? And tied, well, you're all tied up. And then to ravel, that's also to tie you up. Instead of unraveling something, you're raveling mm-hmm. it up. So. Yeah, that, yeah. That, that's that symbol of being tied up or imprisoned or stuck in a bubble sometimes that hermetically sealed atmosphere that we have our chipmunk is she a squirrel sandy sandy cheeks sandy cheeks right she's she's the opposite of the fish out of water she's the the mammal forced to live under the sea and she has to make all these concessions and it's difficult for a mammal a landlubber to live under the sea she has to breathe oxygen she needs these basic needs met to be able to function and she has the last crabby patty and she takes that for granted she eats it quickly only to wish later that she would have eaten more slowly to savor the flavor and enjoy it that bubble symbolism, that spaceman helmet she wears to go under the sea is very telling. A lot of conspiracy theorists would say, oh, you know, space is water. That's why they wear the same kind of um, helmet. The bubble symbolism for me in this film that is unique would have to be the idea of maybe it's a reference to the Wizard of Oz where there's a giant bubble or something like a bubble of protection, a hedge of protection this soft womb-like place that you can go to and be protected. But when we're talking financial warfare, food warfare, manipulation of markets, checks and balances, Knights Templar, commercial warfare. Well, this gets us to the idea of a bubble in a financial economy in a stock and bondage market. We had the 1999.com bubble. We had the housing market bubble bubble burst in 2008 we are now in a perpetual 
recession, whatever that means. The definition of what a recession is has changed in 2021 and 2022. So there's all of these references to ideas who are not fully fleshed out if they're trying to embody an idea this film keeps the minds of men in the shallow end yes and um i i pulled this quote it, it caught my my eye shortly before we watched the movie and um i i it has new meaning now after watching this movie a little bit is the quote every um, man is an island <laughs> yeah as swanzov says every man is island um it's um it's a quote from jesus and he says come ye after me and i'll make you the fishers of men and that caught my attention when i heard it because um fisher of men fisherman price who makes kids toys kids merchandise fisherman price oh and so yeah what's the what's the cost of the spongebob merchandise yeah fisher price Mm-hmm. The merchant dice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the merchandise. The merchandise. Yeah. Gamble. Yeah, I got my <laughs> merchandise here. I support Vile Viacom. <laughs> yeah. Um, SpongeBob alarm clock. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the, glad the, amount, the amount of money made off of these Chinese merchandise sold to americans at top dollar i tell you man 1999 that project launches and 2001 2 3 4 5 that stuff was hot 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 people were wearing spongebob t-shirts everywhere everything was spongebob and now they're milking this dry this is this franchise does it have any legs to stand on the creator has passed on to the other side and they continue to breathe life into this dead fish. I just searched SpongeBob really quickly um, today just to see if there's any recent headlines or anything. And apparently um, um, someone at Nickelodeon, who obviously worked for Viacom since Nickelodeon is just a a branch on the whole Viacom tree, said that um spongebob is contracted till at least 2025 so they're going to at least be making new spongebob material for our viewing unpleasure mm-hmm. <laughs> at least until 2025 and going back to the whole so that gets us back to the whole contract thing and the power of the book knowing did you have um the formula written on paper but you also had the the templar book that the pirate had that you know um he was rewriting the story so that was very almost kind of mocking conspiracy theorists in the way i guess you could say of the the secret pirate 
rewriting the history of of events and everything. Oh, this is where the story ends. Right. And, he, and they reference Mr. Nutter, Nutter being a crazy person. You'd be a crazy conspiracy theorist. You're a nutter if you believe some of these ideas. Yes. And oh, and then the, the last paper thing that um contract thing that I noticed was um oh when Mr. Krabs asked um Spongebob, he you know freaked out because the formula is missing and he goes, right. well, Sponge, my boy, you you probably memorized the formula by now, and Spongebob pulls out his contract that he signed when he started to work at Krusty Krab. It goes, mm. actually, Mr. Krab, in the fine print, it, it tells me that I cannot memorize it. It cannot be saved in my memory under contract. And he reads the fine print and pulls out the magnifying glass. Yeah. Going back to uh, nuts, <laughs> there's a line that uh, Sandy says, and she's like, I'm out of nuts. And um, which is funny because she's the only female character, right? But she tends to be throughout the series a little bit more masculine, and she's the only mammal. So that kind of mm-hmm. puts her in this animus, anima kind of type. Uh, area but then in maritime law uh that meant that she doesn't have an alibi she has no testimony she doesn't have a testament anymore she has Um, no testicles she has no nuts no no nuts Mm. and at the same time you got all the balls all these balls cannonballs and bubbles and bubbles yes And, and so it's it's at that point when they're all the balls are in the air and then what does that mean when you're on the in the court? Well, then it's anybody's game. Mm, I like that. Sports metaphors, delicious. I'm glad we're all on the same team. We're playing together. That's a home run, Andy. Great job. Thank nice you. Nice job. And I also like what you said, when, when Andy, when we were watching it, you, you said team backwards is meat. Yeah, or, yeah, just screwed around a little bit. Anagrams, yeah. anagrams are important. Yeah. And, and Sandy also says, um, going back to your Jesus reference, um, she's when she goes all conspiratorial and um, she's yelling at everybody, she says, uh, there'll be Krabby Patties coming from the sky. So then I immediately wrote that down. So I was like, oh, it's like manna from heaven. And manna then nobody believes her that that could be real. And right. oh, maybe it could be a real thing. <laughs> yeah, that's that's trusting that your needs will be met with an abundance mentality. And the way that this uh, Shoah goes down, uh, the things go south in the civilization, the society collapses due to the programming of it. They are warning you that it's going to happen and it happens. And these are the roles you play. We have the Mad Max films. We have the Rambo reference where he puts on that blood red 
band and they start shooting the machine guns and they're playing with the guns and it's like war wars hell it's inevitable it's going to happen it's going to be the cycles of it and we can't get out of those cycles we can't escape it and i was just really hoping that when they started shooting cannonballs that they'd reference cannonball run and they have a semi-truck chase and they'd have contraband patties and you know it could be a lot of fun there could be a lot of fun had in this movie and yet left me high and dry yeah and they did reference um airplane when they said hold the mail and then the guns were shooting ketchup and mustard so that tells you that uh nightshade or belladonna which is now used in some naturopathic medicines uh and then mustard gas are your weapons your bio weapons uh oh, that's dark <laughs> mayo clinic is what i was the original reference in airplane and that's what i tend to always think of since i uh lived near there um mm -hmm. whenever mayo was referenced and uh there's a past episode way back when when they ask if mayo is an in mayonnaise is an instrument and then mm -hmm. you have a bomb underneath the mayonnaise that spills all over and uh where mayo clinic is located the the nickname of the town is med city so then you got uh kind of the whole mm, medici cult of that spilling out everywhere and i've always kind of wondered if because rochester does have skyways and they also have subways mm -hmm. so i've wondered if there might be actual weapons there <laughs> It's a very fair question, and that gets back to the hermetically sealed environments that our Sandy character lives in. Rochester being in southern Minnesota, we get rain and snow, and part of the year you just don't want to be going outside. It's just too wet, too cold. So you can live in your hermetically sealed passages and live comfortable without having to go to the surface. Right, and it's a, a huge hub for international um, medicine. It's the, also the first doctors that had patients come to them instead mm -hmm. of them go to the patients. So I think there's a lot more going on there. Um, and the reason they go there to receive right. treatment and prescriptions for what trademarked trade secret pharmaceutical potions formulas medications and treatments and recently on twitter the blue check mark fiasco was eli and lily the, the basically that that company that releases the insulin or holds on to the insulin this is a life or death secret recipe and if the tweet was a joke saying we're releasing insulin for free uh, gotcha no we're charging more than ever People are very upset about that. Yeah. Uh, so I was waiting during Spencer's speech. I was waiting for him to say, give me liberty. Um, Libre. That's the book. There's a page from the book. Libre is a book. And if we're talking about history books, they're rewriting history. They're rewriting the script of the movie. 
as it goes on. This is pretty basic plot trope stuff. None too surprising. But again, they reinforce that idea. The moldable minds of children who have not seen these ideas before will soak it all in like a sponge without question, without criticism, without having media literacy to understand what they're taking in, reinforcing these tropes and things. And the question in their mind will be, well, why is there a talking dolphin and what is naval intelligence and who are the intelligentsia and what are all these visual references and why did the story unfold in this way there are no clues it's not a hermetically sealed film you're going to be left confused if you don't have references to the greater culture i don't know if a child will watch this movie and then ask hey mom hey dad um i've got questions can you explain this to me yeah i you know, the the whole and the reason why i brought the whole liberty thing is because in maritime when a sailor leaves instead sell he get gains liberty but loses his freedom in, under maritime law right um and that's why the statue of liberty isn't on land as people mm. like Maxwell has said. And right. so um I was since we had all these famous quotes being re-uttered throughout SpongeBob and other you know speeches that they had scattered out through the film to motivate the other characters. Um I was I was waiting for that one and that was the one that never came. Um Right. It seems the message of this film is more of a communitarianism, communism, socialism sort of thing. They give you this message of, well, we need to work together. We need, well, yeah, you're working together, but whose orders are you following when you're working together? There's this top down approach to what they are doing, they're following these orders. They are order followers. They are not sovereign men. Yeah. There's a hierarchy, and, and they're keeping the hierarchy just the way it is. Yeah. That goes back to the, the TM song, and SpongeBob turns into a hammer. He says, I'll be the hammer, you be the nail. Well, if we're looking at SpongeBob as lust, and then Plankton is envy, uh-huh. you got this weird uh, desire concept going back and forth as like a like a mutilated kind of desire. It's not a pure of heart desire uh, mm-hmm. that's kind of helping this thing along and um at the end of the song he has a little bubble pop up with a question mark which looks like a sickle and he takes the sickle away and so uh, i was looking for the sickle and all i got were two creepy female popsicles threatening to melt (laughs) making an asexual sponge feel really uncomfortable was that a shining reference i was feeling that that may have been uh 
a shining reference twins of the children yeah Mm -hmm. it it, it's it's such a thin thinly veiled reference a lot of times i don't even i don't even know if i'd have to give myself too much credit for seeing something that isn't there that's what we're kind of doing we're looking for all these clues and you show this film at a family gathering like you had mentioned in the introduction and it's just background background imagery playing to entertain the children as a as a babysitter of sorts yeah they're not gonna think, come away with this message of man the hammer the sickle the socialism the communitarianism the one world government the illuminati symbolism yeah maybe this movie maybe this movie had a message which is against us it's not serving us it's not benefiting us it's not giving us a positive lesson it's giving us a lesson that we are under control the eye in the triangle the eye of providence all of these occult symbolisms vigilant citizen could probably write the most ferocious fear-inducing essay on this film christian parents would probably see all the satanic occult dark devilish bondage weird sexual pride stuff references to the christ killers and and the genocide and the holocaust and the holodomor and and the war and all these adult concepts in a children's film and they'd be like "Mm, we'll pass we we don't need to acknowledge that yeah i think pretty much my my opinion on the film and all the information i got when i first saw the the pieces of it at the family event i was at was pretty much all the gist that i needed Rewatching it with you guys was I was pretty much re- was just reinforcing that that same information. There was there wasn't anything added by watching the full length feature with you guys for me personally. Besides watching it with you guys t- to record this, obviously. Um, right. Yeah. It's it's like again this metaphor of you have this property. You uh, you poop something out, and now you polish the turd. You make it real shiny, and then you pass it to somebody, and you're like, "Well, you know, be be thankful. We polished this turd for you." I mean, it's still a turd, and they have all this potty humor. The whole idea of the photo booth being the time machine, being a uh, toilet where they flush the toilet. I mean, you might connect that to Belphegor and the throne and back to the future where Doc Martin's on the toilet and he gets this idea of like time travel and, you know, gigawatts and flux capacitors, which are in the triangle shape. It's all of these references to movies that handle these concepts far better. This is just the trickle down effect of the worst possible filter of ideas lacking yeah. any sort of fun and creativity clearly a, a corporate product and then i guess i'm at the end of my notes here the only thing that we haven't really discussed is the potential of predictive programming this movie was released 2015 we're talking about it seven years later and there's color symbolism that might be referencing certain events that happened down the road, building affinity to the colors gold and blue. There's a reference to like the Titanic in the film saying like civilization is going to have the sunk cost fallacy because we're investing too much in these ideas. So we just got to let them go. 
people are going to die. There's a Jonah in the whale reference. They're inside the belly of a fish, a vessel. They're traveling. Uh, Patrick wears a dunce cap. Of course, that's not going to be a reference to a confederacy of dunces because this is not a literate film. They're not referencing literature for children to read. There's a reference to New York City, the World Trade Center complex. Will they show you the One World Trade building in a postcard? Ah. Uh, Owning all the farmland, referencing, you know, Bill Gates' plan to own all the farmable land is referenced at some point, too. And then, um, again, it comes back to this key idea of meat makes your muscles strong with protein. If you don't have a source of protein, you're not going to eat plankton. You're not going to eat algae. You're not going to be a strong man. You're not going to be capable of enlisting and fighting in a war. You're not going to be buff like Rambo. You're going to be induced with sonic warfare weapons on the streets when you go out to riot. Civilization will collapse. Black Lives Matters will riot. They won't be prosecuted. There won't be rule of law. That will be a doomsday scenario. That will be apocalyptic doomsday scenario there's also the pun of the meat the meat eater the meat tea or might be a break off of a chunk of rock from space when the planets collide and they hit earth going back to catastrophism going back to the idea of a uh, you know can we even say a jewish subversion idea of a certain group of people being a scapegoat these are all the ideas at play again and again and again and i'm at the point where i'm tired of those stories they show us the way out in this film which is to write your own story there's the joke about write yourself a happy ending there's a sexual fulfillment there's the idea of william reich studying the psychology of fascism tying it to orgasm and withholding that you have the countercultural ideas with transcendental meditation new age ideas the sexual revolution this promiscuity the end times and finally ending with a flood if there's a noahide law if there's a shoah if there's all these layers of religious text and law the bible the torah the book of law the book of numbers the judges you have all this biblical reference to sacrifice and who can eat meat and who can sacrifice an animal at the temple these are ancient ideas they're presented in a new form we can write our own gospel we can write our own story we can escape from this hermetically sealed reality that they've built for us and yet it's up to us to become adults, to take responsibility, to choose the battles we fight, and Turn to choose this TV. Tune out of it. Absolutely. Grow some yeah. balls. Yeah. <laughs> and um that's interesting that you say write your own story. And I, I like that because I did an impromptu interview discussion with um Stein from um, the Grand Hope Painting Podcast, 
where we talked about um, the cult magics of Hollywood. And my final thoughts at the end of our interview, he asked if I had any last words. And that, that was my, the last word I left with everyone. In that discussion, I said um, to just write your own story. You know, don't don't let you know these 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 you know magicians and directors and producers and corporations, these groups, Hollywood, write your story for you. Right. You can you can do it yourself. So I really like that you said that here, um, and um, to go off a little bit before we pass it off to Andy, um, I, you said a couple of things that. I had actually written down in my notes. I wanted to kind of tag on there at the end, and that was um, we. You, know, you talked about the twins and SpongeBob's dream head imagination, um, and um, where we get um, the word um, like the like ceremony and. Cerebellum um, comes from lock or flowing water, Sarah. Um, so ceremony, ceremony. Um, and, um, you know, as we, we, we mentioned marriage earlier, um, that binds two products together. As, as I said, um, but Sarah... Also, um, like in biblically, you have the marriage of Sarah and Abram, um, and that's where we can you can say we get the idea of the cerebellum, the Sarah Abram, um, your Christ consciousness, your, your Godhead, if you will, um, which so your cerebellum can see as an eternal alchemical marriage. Um, within yourself and we're talking about um, um, that brings us back to the whole thing of checks and balances your your godhead your Christ consciousness when you're fully balanced when you check yourself and you'll balance yourself and you're you're in that Christ consciousness will balance state um, you know, you, you, you have, um, that's, that's when you're, 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 you're sovereign, you're, you're, you're the most sovereign because you don't, you don't need, um, the, the laws of the sea to, you know, to be under them anymore. You don't have to understand them anymore because you're, your inner standing, your overstanding, your your standing by self, your standing with God. Um, and the last thing that that made me think of is the whole thing of marriage and twins. We had um, Plankton and SpongeBob, as I read, was talking about briefly at the beginning of this, when they go to meet the celestial dolphin Bubbles, whose name was Bubbles, um, 
who has the, had the Illuminati eye and all that on, on his thing, as Alan mentioned. Beautifully um, voiced by Matt Berry, the best part of the movie for me. Yeah. Um, and like, like I said earlier, he tasked, he has to go to the restroom and he tasks Plankton and SpongeBob to watch Jupiter, Saturn. And like, well, first he just tasks them to watch over everything. And they're like, oh, what should we be looking at? We don't know what we should be watching for. And as they say, we don't know what we should be watching for. Um, you see SpongeBob Ike, it's memorized, it's reflecting the galaxy. And he goes, okay, well, this is a lot. So, Plankton, you look over here at this planet, and I look over here at this planet, which just happens to be Jupiter and Saturn. And as they're sitting there watching, that's when they collide and destroy each other. On our Weaving Spiders discussion, when this got briefly um, brought up, um, our good friend Gabe like Distant, I I cast him because I figured <laughs> he probably would have would have known. Um, I, I at the time I couldn't figure out why they would have Jupiter and Saturn crash into it. What was the symbology of that? And to reference him, his answer on the Weaving Spider scene that night, um, he synchronistically he just happened to be looking at Jupiter and Saturn. Uh, in his own work, and he had mentioned in the um, what was it the when was the last election twenty twenty that when the last election was that the um, um, astrologically that was a movement during that election where Jupiter and Saturn passed each other, and it was like they gave a kiss. You know, the, the oh. I do kiss, the marriage kiss. It's the As, the great conjunction, which is the star of Bethlehem. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad you're talking about that because I was going to make a point about that as well. <laughs> <laughs> great. Um, and Gay mentioned that when that happened during the election, that was um, the embodiment of, you know, the, the Donald and Biden kind of switch route they kind of did there. Um, and also Jupiter and, and Saturn is jockeying on Boaz, the two pillars. So that gets us back to the twins. Um, so I, I just wanted to kind of reiterate that a little bit. I thought that was that's fascinating and um so what andy what did what did you have on that so yeah it was pretty interesting um considering like how they didn't know what to look at and then when they did spongebob kind of decided oh i'm gonna look at these two planets right and then his eyes got all big and it, it's so funny because when that was going on, I can still remember there's this, some spots here where the sky is, you know, very visible. And I had never obviously seen that before when they were coming together. And I was just like driving and be like, wow, <laughs> that's cool. So that's why I flashed my tattoo. I was like, that's why I got this tattoo. But um yeah, I think that kind of goes back to predictive programming too. Like here they are, 
this grand conjunction is happening. We got this kind of political theater going on. We have uh, the dolphin, who I think is supposed to be encoding um, the Dauphine of France, which is still a title that they give to people. And I think that's kind of obviously with the dolphin being like the overseer or whatever, that's who everybody's answering to really. And if you look up even the crest for the Dauphine, it has dolphins on it. And it also has the cape thing like he was wearing. Um, so it's kind of like he controls the veil or there's something about it. But I was reading a little bit um, when we took a break about him and it was like his whole political thing is like he's into um, the monarchy coming back into power. So uh, that was really interesting to read, especially after watching uh, this movie. It's was there awesome. golden blue on that crest? Yes, and, and white. So golden. to make it explicitly clear, when SpongeBob becomes a superhero, he changes his profile, his avatar on his social media to show the colors gold and blue to stand in solidarity with, I don't know what that could possibly mean in the current year. Hmm. Yeah. Anything else, Andy? Um, oh, I did want to just say one more thing about when um, SpongeBob takes that question mark down and... Um, so it represents the sickle. Well, then there's the next scene or shortly after you see Patrick. Well, he's a star. You got the star, the hammer, and the sickle. Well, he also had a hammer on his head. But if you take uh, the sickle away, that means there's no death anymore. So I think with the, um, with the 2D into 3D thing, that's kind of, they're wanting people to obviously get more into this metaverse, this VR thing. Um, and what the real currency there is, is your time. And you're, you were talking about standing and everything and it's standing attention like in the military. Um, so they're taking your attention and you're, you know, your standing, your understanding of everything. And they're just using it for, to give to what a dolphin guy, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and I, th I, think, I think that can be tied into the, the reason why they also had the whole thing with, with the time machine as well. Right, and the, with the no death, it, it reminds me of um, that show Sword Art Online where they get stuck or like Ready Player One where they get stuck in the game. And then if they die in the game, they die in real life. Except for I think they're kind of trying to get to where people don't have a natural physical death. Um, I, I've thought that for a long time. And that goes back to Revelation is... Uh, 
it's revealed that um, death is the final enemy. And I think a lot of people think that, um, or kind of interpret it as you shouldn't want to die, but I think it, you should, you are supposed to want to not be in your physical body because you're supposed to be of the world. So your light body and not your physical um, body, which is a whole other discussion, but <laughs> um, it's a good point to make because I think the whole immortality um, culture is another um, important yeah. discussion to have. <laughs> yeah, that that's a really a really good point. You know, I I think of um, the movie um, Surrogates with Bruce Willis. Um, I think it's there's a bunch of movies that have this a similar story, but that one um, always kind of sticks in my mind of out of the movies with that theme and i think that's i think you're you're right um you know also adventure time and their um their special um their distant land special they had a very similar story where um they the the villain wanted to break the the cycle of life life and death break that that organic cycle break out of it um and so I think I think to understand okay, we see this theme throughout all of Hollywood. Those, those are just to name a few. Um, and my I haven't thought it to the extent of you did, but when when I thought of the whole why they're pushing three D animation expression on kids, um, is I think it's to um, make them not be um, not be able to really notice or care and just be numb to the uncanny valley of it. Because mm -hmm. no matter how realistic 3D animation will ever get, there will always be an uncanny valley because it doesn't have breath of the creator. It doesn't have the hand of God in it. So we, And we're going to notice that. Right. And so to get us to kind of be oversaturated with it so we just our brains just get so numb to seeing that lifelessness in things like that let's show all these little you know kids in their infantile brains that they're so developing all these uncanny valley imagery through these movies and shows and games and whatnot right and and what is a nickelodeon the original meaning of the word nickelodeon is cheap entertainment nickel yeah. and dimed yes so yeah. this cultural export of america means that america is the great satan to a lot of parts of the world this corruption of the minds of children being an export the final thought now after reflecting a little further the idea of well, this animation export with its 3D imagery, this worldview, this idea of worldview warfare and having an affinity towards the blue and the gold, the Ukraine, the flag, choosing an allegiance, choosing a side, exporting the propaganda, 
there's a, a really quick reference, blink and you miss it, to the idea of a cargo cult. They drop in the tartar sauce. The idea being you have a tribe. They've not witnessed any Western man. They don't know what a aeroplane is. And the cargo is dropped into their village from above, from the sky, as if it's from the gods above. They receive this item, whatever it is, food, maybe it's delicious chocolate or, or some Western export that they didn't have before. They become addicted to it like a Krabby Patty and they want more of it. And what do they have to do to get another export of this manna from heaven? They have this cargo cart cult that forms around it so they'll do strange rituals and dancing they'll put on masks they will they'll do whatever they think they can to have the next shipment of the export of the cargo dropped in their lap and i thought that was a perfect encapsulation of what is going on with this hollywood babylon export and you know gary is a god the snail god they will worship the snail god that was a brilliant story arc for Gary the Snail, and I'm so glad he got the recognition of his divinity in this film. <laughs> yeah, um, that, that that's interesting. My thought, and I don't think this was meant to be this. It was just my brain. That's where my own brain went to, is, is when they was dropping that tartar sauce. I thought maybe it's that. I thought in my in my brain, I knew it. It wasn't. But I remember, I was like, what if that is a reference to, um, like, Tartarian? Like The new Tartarian video just dropped. We have to watch it immediately. And, and You're a nutter if you don't. Because, you know, the whole idea of Atlantis and it sinking to the sea, the, the tartar sauce is sinking to the bottom of the sea before it explodes. Mm-hmm. And as a joke, because I don't take the new Tartarian um cult i guess you can call it of people that are all about that stuff too seriously uh, i could be it, a way to rewrite history to explain yeah. some facts and details and say here's a new narrative i'm going to sell you a new book yeah. about it I, it's it's I, difficult to ingest I, I, some of that stuff i'm going to get scurvy if i don't have my vitamin c if i don't get I'm, my holy c i'm, I'm gonna um so what what I do is I kind of make light of it and make a joke. So I always go, oh, everyone is talking about that tartar sauce. So that's just been a, a recurring joke for me. So when, <laughs> yeah. they, so when they dropped the tar, tartar sauce, I was like, oh, that's, that's hilarious. But also, I think it's it's interesting um, that, that we had a pirate in here, as we mentioned, and it wasn't patchy the pirate if you watch the early spongebob episodes from like season one it's an imitation pirate when the um patchy the pirate who was played by tom kinney in person who voices spongebob who apparently um spongebob you know i haven't i read this thing that spongebob's newer laugh is different from his old laugh that we see you in this movie because um, the the strain on Tom Kenny's vocal cords 
Um, you know, and he, I mean, he's getting older. He's been doing this for decades now. Um, so I, th- I thought that was interesting, but also the fact that, you know, it wasn't Patchy, it was this new Templar pirate because Patchy is a SpongeBob fan. He would write into SpongeBob, he collected SpongeBob merchandise. Ah, uh, fan and fiction. A cap and, um, the word captain in maritime comes from the word capital you know you're when um or vice versa i mean i said that backwards but you you get what uh, i'm saying um like a captain has um rolls over his shipment his cargo his merchandise and so you have patrick the pirate captain rolling over the SpongeBob merchandise. Was that, you know, uh, almost like a, a Disney adult, but uh, a Viacom adult, I guess you could call it. <laughs> like, this way. is like The Simpsons for kids is <laughs> like when I'm getting, because all the predictive programming and stuff. Not to yeah. interrupt you with that. Yeah, the, 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 the builds back better. I, no, I'm sorry. It's a tongue twister. It's Burger Beards Beard. Bur, burger Beards Beard Burger. Can you say that? Burger Beards Beard Burger. The BBBBB. The Better Business Burrow. Bur, bur, the build back better. There yeah. Bubbles. 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 <laughs> Blow bubble is better. And then Patchy, he had a black beard. So it's like, oh, we were in the black in the black, but it was patchy. And now we got a red beard captain and oh. our ship is sinking. So if we're in the black, it's Black Friday, we made a profit. Or wait, is it red? Are we in debt again? I am yeah. forever in debt to Chris and Andy for being such gracious hosts i have my final word in my tongue but i'm holding it yeah let's let's i think i'm pretty much done with my notes there wasn't that much here um because uh, it was it's very surface level it's very shallow um but this was a fun discussion to to kind of show people you know these these trickle down themes as alan has mentioned it how it can still you know, plant seeds in the in the subconscious to carry these themes. You know, once uh, a spell is has been cast, a sigil has been made. You don't have to um, work on it as hard the next time. Yeah. So they've been doing this so many times. By the time we get to the SpongeBob movie, they're like. You don't have to worry about it. Yes, they can make one reference to chaos theory and chaos magic by having one little symbol on a wall on a conspiracy pin board connecting all the crimes together just in one scene. (laughs) It wasn't even right. It was five arrows. (laughs) That seems more chaotic to me than anything else. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, final thoughts, um, Amy. Did you want to go first? Sure. Uh, I think the main thing is, um, like you guys were saying, 
like everybody has the power to burn down their own super fish fail and uh you don't really need to watch or have your kids or if somebody else you're at somebody else's house and their kids are watching this maybe read them a book or hang out with them a little bit like that's that's way better for them than watching this kind of garbage so yeah yeah also really quick before i pass it off to alan i just saw on my notes i skipped over this part i I made a joke early in in the film um when the the templar pirate is reading the story at the beginning he's talking to um seagulls and so the, the templar um pirate the guy that is rewriting the book who has has this magical book with the story in it the story is take on the the task of the story writer of these secrets um is talking to the birds and the language um, of the birds it's the language of the birds the one that holds the secrets who knows what maritime law actually is can then go on beyond it and speak green language, the language of the birds, because you don't see any other character reacting from the birds. Right. You just see the pirate do so. Um, so I thought thought that was interesting. Um, but yeah, um, Alan, any final thoughts? Uh, the final, the final cryptic clues to the puzzle. Bill Nye is to science what Captain Kangaroo is to maritime law. Read your children the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Show them that 2 plus 2 equals 42. It's the answer to the life, the universe, and everything. And so long, and thanks for all the tartar sauce. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, so thank you guys for listening and to this episode and apologies if you actually did watch the Spongebob movie for this to make sure to to see what we were talking about it was not a requirement to watch that before you watch this video if you did apologies but thank you for being that dedicated to wanting to watch our our Spongebob Maritime Law discussion um and thank you for alanmarcus.com and Andy for coming on and talking about it um, with me. Um, my next video after this one will be my Pinocchio homunculus video. Um, uh, I Andy may or may not be there. Um, I think she said she was a possibility she might join for that discussion about the time at the moment it looks like it's just going to be me and Joshua the branch um alan if you want to come in he could as well anyone's invited but it'll um just be a um pinocchio um homunculus magic wood the secrets of wood and all the things that come to 2022 and why I've joked that 2022 is the year of Pinocchio. Uh, we'll be watching um, 
the third and final Pinocchio movie that came out this year, um, Del Toro's Pinocchio. Um, and we're talking about it um, and many more. So that will be coming next. Or if you're watching this video in the future, then look for that one. That one's going to be another amazing discussion as this one was. I'm so grateful for Alan and Andy and everyone who listened. Um, so much more to come. Thanks. And do you guys want to promote anything here at the end? AlanMarcus.com. Uh, Saturday nights, Weaving Spiders. Wednesday nights, Flow State. If yes. you follow Chris, you probably know where to find that. <laughs> yep. Weaving Spider Saturdays, as, as always. Well, that that's a wrap on episode three of King of Cups. See you guys next time. All right. Thank you, Chris. Thank you.